Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. So we're going to talk about today um, this series that we're in. It's it's called Clean Slate, and and I think sometimes what we don't understand is that what happens in private is what gives us power in public. And I want to talk to you about that because today is a day in which, as we make this fit with our 21 days of prayer and fasting, that um, we want to be able to understand this concept. And the way to best describe things and explain things is, is through the wisdom of the scriptures. And for every situation and circumstance that we're in, we can most definitely get the wisdom that we need for our life. And, and, and you, know, you know that we love to be practical here and, and, and give you practical insights that can help you in your everyday. And I just uh, convey spiritual concepts that are vague and that make you feel guilty and experience shame and, and make you feel like you can't measure up. And I want to pick people from the Bible that, that often are, are, are like broken and people that are um, inadequate, that people find themselves to be unworthy. And, and those, interestingly enough, are the people that God chooses. And so if you put yourself in that category of someone who is not worthy, guess what? God can uh, still use you and, and do something powerful in your life and through it. In fact, he looks for those people who are already humble people who are already willing to say, God, I'm, I'm not good enough. You know, I don't consider myself better than others. And I certainly don't consider myself as someone that you can use. Guess what? That's exactly what God wants to hear. And then he gets to use you. He gets to do something new and powerful in your life. And, and the thing about it is that the story that we're in is that there's always a time and a season in which the people of Israel are being oppressed by others. And, and in this particular story, uh, that's exactly what's happening. And it's because they've turned away from God. Like it, it, the, uh, the powers uh, around them increase when their faithfulness to God decreases. Their enemies become more powerful because their relationship with God uh, becomes weaker. And, and they don't necessarily always make that correlation because the way they see it is that God is the one who should always be with them, period. And, and what we understand now is that there's this collaboration that needs to exist between us and God. Uh, he has his part and we have ours. And, and what God says is, I want you to do these things and I don't want you to do these things. And that's our part to pay attention to that so that we can experience his blessing in our lives. And so in this story, there's this group of people called the Midianites and they were incredibly oppressive. And what they would do is that they would kind of um, move into the land that Israel was occupying and they would take everything from them. Sometimes when uh, there wasn't even enough for the Israelites to live with, um, they would just burn things to the ground. Uh, they would make it impossible for themselves, the Israelites, to, to, to live a life of prosperity. And this went on for seven years. 
And during that time, the Israelites began to hide in shelters and in strongholds, and they did whatever they could to make sure that their enemies could not find them. And the Midianites, they impoverished the Israelites. It got to the point where there wasn't any food for them. And they did this because God was trying to teach the Israelites that you're not supposed to worship false gods. You're not supposed to bring into your households idols that are fashioned by the hands of, of men that you attribute spiritual meaning to. These are the things that I told you to avoid. And so for seven years, the Israelites cried out and that cry was steadily increasing. And it got to the point where they couldn't take it anymore. It got impossible for them to live under these conditions. And it was at the moment which was their breaking point that God then appears to someone. And God comes to the least and he comes to the weakest. And the person that God comes to is someone by the name of Gideon. And if you don't know the story of Gideon, it's because he wasn't important. He was just, again, the least in his family and their clan was also the weakest among all the Israelites. And so when God looks at choosing someone, this is not the person that you would think God would choose. But this is exactly who God chooses. And in Judges chapter six, verse 17 and 18, let's read it. It says, Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, then show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Because an angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and told him, I'm gonna use you to free your people. And then in verse 18, it says, well, don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you because Gideon brings his offering in a way that is most unexpected. He tells him, I'm gonna go into the house. And what he does, he goes into the house and he gets some food and he brings it back to this angel. He puts it before the angel and the angel just looks at it and touches it and it consumes it. It just evaporates before him. And now he realizes that this is not someone who can eat the offering. It is someone who can only accept the offering because as an angel, he cannot be worshiped. <laughs> as an angel, <clears throat> he can accept the offering on behalf of God, but he cannot accept it for himself. And so the offering is burnt because the offering needs to go to God. It can't go to him. And in that moment, we understand that, that we are never to worship angels. We are only to worship the God who commands the angels. The angels are at the command of God and they do everything that God tells them to do. But angels are real and they come to us and they reveal God's will to us. They can speak to us. They can inspire us, protect us. They can do all the things that are required in our life to guide us, but they cannot be worshiped. And so in the story in which we're in, Gideon brings his offering. And he brings his offering to know whether or not God is real. Many of us, and I hear this all the time, I'm not sure if God is real. 
I'm not sure if I can believe in God, trust in God, if I can be led by God, and if I can be someone who puts his confidence, his full confidence in God. Well, well Gideon was just like that. He's just like many of us here in this room when we are going through our moments of doubts and unbelief and we're struggling with our faith. But see, what Gideon does is that he says, I'm going to still bring an offering. I don't know what it is that you can bring to God. I don't know what it is that you can offer. I don't know what it is in your life and in your home that you can bring into the presence of God, but you can all bring something. And when you do, you'll see that God has already been there all along. You see, it's never a question of whether or not God is present. It's a question of whether we are present in the presence of God. See, it's never about how close is God to me. It's always a question about how close am I to God? Because what the story reveals is that Gideon, who's just living his life, doing his business, just thinking that he's the weakest and that he is the least, God shows up in his life because he's always been ready to do that. And he's always been ready to do that for you. See, the... I love that we're in this season where we just came out of that where, you know, we, we experienced the kind of gift giving and the gift opening. But, but imagine if God gives you a gift and you never open it. He puts it in front of you and says, here's the gift of my favor, my blessing, my presence. And you never touch it. It's always there just waiting for you to open it. But you don't believe that there's anything of value there. And so you just take it and you put it aside and you say, I don't trust the gift. I don't trust the gift giver. I don't think there's anything of value there. And you continue to live your life. And I think that God has been dropping gifts into our life over and over again, telling us that we are favored by him, blessed by him, that he can do great things in us and through us, that he can change and transform us, that he can empower us to help others experience his transformation. And we just don't even believe that the gift is real. Don't be like that. Because in this story, Gideon thought that he wasn't worthy of it. And the next thing that we see that Gideon does is that he builds an altar to the Lord. He was afraid of that angel and the angel says, I don't want you to be scared. He's like, sure. I mean, things just like burnt up and evaporated in front of me. How could I not be fearful for my life? And the angel says, no, you don't understand. I'm not here to harm you. I'm here to give you peace. See, when God comes into our lives, he comes to be the Lord of peace. And, and I love that because, I, you know, they've been living a life of chaos, of constant struggle, where they have been surrounded by enemies who keep taking what's theirs, making their life hard and miserable. And listen, if you've been living that, you know, you know how devastating that is. And it's so hard to build an altar to a God who is allowing that to happen in your mind, right? It's so hard to believe that, that, that this God is a God of, of, of favor when that's happening. It's difficult to trust this God to be a God of peace when there's so much war and warfare happening in your life every day. But the second thing that, that Gideon does, and he does it spontaneously, is that he builds 
an altar to the Lord. And he says, this is an altar that I now will call the Lord is peace. He has a new revelation, a new understanding of who God is in his life. He's not going to see his life and his circumstances the same anymore. He's having insight into who God is in a way that he's never had it before. And in Judges chapter 6, verses 25 to 27, let's read this. And it says that the Lord that night says to Gideon, I want you to take the second bull from your father's herd. And he says, look, this is the one that is seven years old. Now, remember, we, we heard earlier that they had been in conflict for seven years. The Midianites had been at their backs, just causing them conflict for seven years, just putting weight and weight and weight and more weight upon them, increasing the burden every year. And so what God says is that he says, I want you to take the bull that represents every year that this has happened. It's seven years old. For the seven years that you have experienced this, I want you to find that bull, bring it to me, and I want you to alter it and then offer it on the altar. And then it says, pull down your father's altar to Baal. And then he says, I want you to cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. And these were the two idols that were built that the entire village actually also uh, worshipped at. And they were somehow put um, there by uh, Joshua's, um, Gideon's uh, father, whose name is Joash. And so what's interesting is that this bull also was the bull that was impregnating the other uh, cattle. And so it had an important role in the village. So what God is doing is that he's saying, I want you to take the thing that produces and I want you to take the idols that you have put your faith in and I want those things to be sacrificed. And so he's saying, these are the most important things that you have, that you believe bring your wealth, protection, prosperity and blessing in your life. And I want you to get rid of those things because those things are not what is bringing and what can bring your blessing. In the seven years that you have worshiped Baal, in the seven years that you have worshiped Asherah, in the seven years that the bull has done its job with its cattle, how has your life turned out? Has it been better or has it been getting increasingly worse? And it's amazing because sometimes we look at the things that we have, the concepts, the, the spiritual beliefs that we have put our faith in, the things that we have worshipped and are worshipping, the idols that we have erected and established. And we think that those are the things that are going to turn things around. But when we look at the track record of the last several years, we can see that things are not getting better, they're getting worse. And yet we continue to do the exact same things. And God is saying, isn't it time for a clean slate? Isn't it time to just wipe the slate clean? Isn't it time to just get rid of these things and stop putting your faith in them because they are not working? Are you ready for something new? Are you ready for something new? Are you ready for a clean slate? Are you ready to change things up? 
and to do things differently instead of doing it the same way over and over again, are you ready to finally get it right? You see, this is what God does. He's, he puts us in a position where we can finally take a look at what we've been doing and say, this isn't working. This isn't blessing us. This isn't helping us. This is not what we need to keep doing. And then in verse 26, he says, then I want you to do something new. I want you to build an altar to the Lord. And I want you to give to God here on this hilltop sanctuary. I want you to lay the stones carefully because uh, the altar needed to just withstand the weather and anybody knocking up against it. It needed to, to be fortified. And then I want you to sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. And so Gideon took 10 of his servants and he did as the Lord had commanded, but he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. The Bible says that the town in the morning notices that things are different, that things are missing, <laughs> and that the bull that they needed and relied upon has also been uh, sacrificed. The aisles have been torn down. And so they go to Joash and they say, we're gonna have to make your son pay for this. They're gonna have to kill him. And, and Joash, this is his youngest son. He says, well, if, if Baal is upset about this, then let him bring judgment upon Gideon. And he comes up with something that saves his life. And, and it turns the people away from taking Gideon's life. And so they actually end up changing his name to being someone who Baal is going to take care of. Because this was what the father had come up with. Because what Gideon does here is that he tears down the idols and then he offers a sacrifice. Now, I believe that when we get closer to God, God starts to show us what the idols are in our lives. I believe that he starts to point out the things that need to be torn down and the new things that need to be built up in its place. And I don't know if you know this, but, but if you are walking with Jesus and you feel that you can just keep walking with him and nothing changes, then you're not walking with Jesus. Because I, I've never been in a relationship with God where he has not asked me to change something about myself and to keep working on myself and to keep sacrificing something and to take down idols. After all of these years, I am still destroying altars, erecting new ones, destroying idols and making sure that my heart and my worship is only directed to the Lord Almighty. And you need to know that that's how this works. You need to realize that this is how God is continuously speaking to you, convicting you and revealing to you. And when we enter into a time of praying or fasting as a church, what we do is we try to say, God, where are the idols? Where are the false gods? Where are the, where are the things that I'm believing in and trusting more than you? Where are the things that you're asking me to destroy and the new things that you're asking me to build? What's the new direction you want me to move in and the old direction that you never, ever want me to return to? 
And so this is what God does is that he reveals these things to you. The Bible tells us that the spirit of the Lord then comes upon Gideon. That after he does these things, the spirit of God comes upon him and then he blows a trumpet and that trumpet now is, is an anointed instrument in his mouth. It has an impact and it has a sound that brings over 32,000 people to his feet. Because of everything that he had done, God brought all of the communities to him when before there was a community that just wanted to kill him. But now all the communities want to fight with him against the Midianites. And you'll see that when the anointing of God comes upon you, even your enemies start realizing that it is better that they align with you than stand against you. That when you blow that trumpet, God will bring an army to your feet when you have felt alone. When you felt that you didn't matter, that you couldn't take new territory, you couldn't go into the enemy's territory and take back what was taken from you. When you believed that things would only continue to be more of the same and it was better just to look out for yourself and keep worshiping your old idols and keep sacrificing on your old altars and keep living life the way you always lived it. God is saying, no, my anointing is on you now. I want you to blow this trumpet. And when he blows that trumpet, an army comes. And he speaks to that army and he says, God has called on me to lead us into battle against the Midianites. And the Bible says that at first they're all like, yeah, responding to the call of the spirit, right? Responding to what God is doing. And something's been stirred up in them and it coincides with their measure of just exhaustion and frustration and disappointment and anger towards God and their situation that for seven years, nothing has changed. And all of that has culminated to hearing the sound of this trumpet and somehow signaling within them that this is a new time, it's a new season. It's something different is about to begin. I don't know about you. Look, I've been doing this for a long time and, and I'm telling you every year, I'm, I'm super optimistic. I am an optimistic person. I really am. I, I'm always going out there, no matter how desperate the situation is. And it, it's hard to make me just get down and sad and, and not believe that things can get better. Really, really hard. But can I be honest with you right now? There is something about this year. There is just something about this time and this season. There's just something about the sound that I'm hearing now that is unlike any other sound that I've heard in a very long time. It has been a long time since I have heard this and, and sensed this and believed this and, and just experienced this. There's something different. And I believe those people, when they heard this sound, they responded to that sound because they knew deep down this was different. And they showed up. But then God sees the size of the army and he says, there's too many of them. He's <laughs> like, what? Like we're talking that there's like, they say estimates somewhere around 200 to 300,000 Midianites. 
Like 30,000 is not even enough to go up against that. And when God looks at the 30,000, he says, there's people here that don't want to be here. So give them the option to go home because they're scared. And so Gideon turns to the people and he says, um, yeah, I don't want to say this, but, <laughs> but God's telling me to tell you, so I'm going to have to do it. Um, yeah, I feel like if you're like, you're not up to it, you know, this does not feel like it's going to be a good day. And like, you know, you just don't have the courage. Like, yeah, yeah, you can just go. And, and, and they go. Um, not, not like a few, 22,000 people leave. And so now he's down to 10,000, which is, you know, still good, but not 32. And, and sometimes God calls us into something and instead of the numbers increasing, they decrease. And we think that because they're decreasing, that somehow the favor of God has lifted from us, but it hasn't. What God is going to make sure is that his name is glorified and not the name of 32,000 people. It's going to be his name that brings the victory, not 32,000 warriors. It's going to be God who does it. And so he looks at Gideon, he looks at his heart and he sees that he sees and he's starting to put his faith in new idols. I really believe this is a story of Gideon. And I believe that when he sees the 32,000, he's like, okay, that's something. But now all of a sudden, I believe that Gideon is building a new idol and he's building a new altar. And on that altar, he's willing to go up against the Midianites because he's got 32,000 idols that are on it now. Do you understand what's happening? And so God says, no, 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 Gideon. I want you to bring people down to the water. I want you to get them to drink. And then when he does that, and then they start to drink, he says, just, just take the ones that when they drink, they're only cupping their hands and they're looking around, making sure that there are no enemies around them. And the Bible says that from 10,000, Gideon has to start going up to people and say, you can go home. You can go home. You can go home. You can go home, you can go home, you can go home. And he ends up doing that over 9,700 times. And there's only 300 warriors left. And then God says, that's the right number. And I, I can't imagine the faith that it would have required, you know, from, from Gideon, and this happening all along, right? It would have been hard, right? Like imagine seeing a crowd of 32,000 go down to 300. And yet everyone's looking at that and saying, clearly the favor of God and the victory is not at hand. Clearly God is not with you. But all along God was just saying, we need to get rid of the dead weight. We need to get rid of all those people who are just gonna bring things down we're going to find the right 300 for you and you're going to go into battle. And when you do, it's only going to be with the right people, with the right heart. It's only going to be 
offering the sacrifice on the right altar. It's only gonna be looking forward, never looking back, trusting in me fully and not believing that numbers matter. The only thing that matters is that I'm with you all the way. And I think that that just changed everything for him. And I think of that and I think, God, that's what I need in my own life. I need to keep tearing down idols and I need to keep trusting you and believing in you and putting my faith in you. You know, in between all of this, there's, there's a time where where Gideon is still wavering. He's still struggling. He's still having a hard time understanding what it is that he needs to do. And we're going to save that story for another time. But for today, what I wanted to do was just highlight what it looks like to tear down idols, to destroy altars, to put our faith and trust in God. And when we do, God is going to do something incredible and miraculous. The Bible tells us that God brings about a victory, an incredible victory. But before we hear about that, we need to understand that before the victory can come, the things that have to happen in private are what gives us the power that we need in public. And what God says is that I want to get you right and ready so that when you go up against the enemy, my victory is guaranteed. And so all the things that Gideon needed to do to get right, everything that he needed to do to get ready, God was showing him these things so that he would have the victory. Are you ready to have that victory in your life? Are you ready (laughs) to see God just reveal in your mind and in your heart the things that need to change? I know that God is ready to do that for you. And I wanted to start with this story, start with this message, start with this understanding so that the things that we need to do in private, God says, I want you to go and pray to me in private, in secret, because his heart is to help us to destroy the things that are holding us back so that when we go out into public, we have the victory that he has promised us, the victory that he has promised you. So don't, don't neglect that time of prayer. Don't neglect that time of spending just with God. You know what that looks like? It looks like you wake up and you just live your life, but every day you say, Jesus, you're with me. You're with me even as I drive my car, take the bus, as I take my walk. Lord, you're with me. Open my mind and my heart to see the idols that are hidden. Help me to understand where are my altars. Show me where it is that I'm putting my faith in that isn't in you. Lord, reveal those things to me. And as you have those secret conversations with God in your mind and in your heart, God just reveals them to you and he says, this is where it is. You want this more than you want me. Here it is. You believe this is going to save you more than me. Here it is. You think these people matter to you more than I do. Pleasing them is more important to you than pleasing me. Trusting in this is what you think is going to bring about the miracle that you need when I'm the only miracle that you need in your life. See, God reveals those things. And all you got to do is just know this. 
you are good enough. You are worthy. You're already blessed and favored by the Lord. His face is already shining upon you. I love it when someone takes me by the hands and looks in my eyes. They look at me. My mom used to do that to me. She said, look at me in my eyes. But she always do that when she thought I was lying. <laughs> but it worked every time, you know? I start to twitch a little bit. <laughs> Come under the conviction of my mother. <laughs> Which was really the Holy Spirit, but I was like scared a little bit, you know? But that, that, that gaze into my eyes would reveal a window into my soul. You guys understand that, right? And when you look into someone's eyes, you get to really see beyond the words that they're speaking, beyond the actions that they're promising, beyond the life that they've been living. I want you to know that when God says, my face shines upon you, he's saying, I'm looking into you. I see you. I see your face, I see your eyes, I see right into your soul. I see what it is that you need. Can we trust the Lord for that? Can we trust Him more than we trust ourselves, more than we trust in armies, more than we trust in numbers, more than we trust in, in anyone and anything else? Let's trust in the Lord and He will give us the victory. And so Father, I thank you for um, every person that is here today for um, just a miracle of what you've been doing in their life. So many people have been talking about the change and, and the breakthroughs that have been happening, Lord, of how they're being set free of addictions and, and over things that have had mastery over them, Lord. We're, we're gonna pray right now, Lord, that um, you would be the only one and the only thing that would have mastery over us. Because when that happens, then we're truly free, God. We're not led by anyone and anything other than your presence. And I pray that we would tear down those idols and we would tear down those altars and we build the new ones that you are asking us to. And that we would sacrifice on that altar the very thing that we would believe is, is our future. And the thing that gives us just the hope of, of provision. When you are the one God who will provide, when you are the provider, you are the healer, you are the deliverer, you are the counselor, you are the almighty God. And you are going to give us the victory in Jesus' name in this year. The victory and the breakthrough that we are looking for, that we are desiring, praying for and needing. Lord, the seven years that we are looking past in, we are saying, Lord, what is before us is greater than anything that is behind us. You are going to do a new thing, a great thing, a powerful thing, and you're going to give us the victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only He can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.